This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is Sam Smoddix here and welcome to the 4000 Holes Podcast. You are listening to the 4000 Holes Podcast. Brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at The Terrace. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 4000 Horse Podcast, the What Now Show with me, Roger Whiteside, joined this week by my very special guests, Ian, Linz and Matt. And we've got a packed show, as always, split into three sections, where section one will be having a look back since we last spoke. That's the recent, uh, quite encouraging run of form from Rovers in the league. Uh, also, have a look back at the League Cup encounter at Stamford Bridge, which Linz and Matt were both at to hear their views on that. Uh, in part two, we will be having a look at our Who's Hot, Who's Not Player of the Month for October. And uh, of course, we'll be looking to get your thoughts on that. And uh, we'll be heading over to Ian Herbert with all the stats and figures for that one. And in section three, we'll have a look forward to the upcoming weekend's Lancashire Derby against Preston. And we'll even have time to squeeze in a little quiz. So let's get straight on with it. I will come straight to you, Ian, for section one and uh, Rovers. Four wins, uh, sorry, three wins and one defeat in the last four in the Championship. We're on a bit of a good run. Are you encouraged by uh, the recent Championship performances? Hugely. I mean, I, I enjoy the way that we play. I think that's the main thing. Uh, if we can just park the Swansea result, because that, that rather sort of bamboozled us, I think. The, the style of play, the, the fast passing and all the rest of it, it's really, really entertaining. Uh, and I think I, I think I'm responsible for the Swansea defeat because I turned to Stuart after about ten or twelve minutes and said, "Do you know what? This is really good stuff to watch. Really, really entertaining. I really like the way we're playing." <laughs> From that moment on, we seem to just back off and, and forget how to play and invite Swansea in, and it turned out to be a really miserable performance. But I've, we've seen some battling, haven't we? We've seen some. We've seen some skill. We've seen some guile. Dare I say it? We've seen Arte and Labore through, during the month. So yeah, yeah, hugely encouraged. Just to recap the fixtures, uh, we were 1-0 victors at home against Cardiff, then winners 2-1 away at the Den against Millwall, and as Ian talked about, their 1-0 defeat at home to Swansea, where Rovers had an XG in the twos, which is unheard of. If you're not too familiar with the XG status, it's sort of how many expected goals you you would have scored or you should have scored. I mean, how Harry Leonard hasn't had a couple of goals at the end of that match, I will never know. But uh, of course, then we look ahead or look back on our recent performance this weekend just gone. 
at Carrow Road, 3-1. Was uh, Linz, were you at that one? Or Matt, were you at that one? I know you've been to Norwich a few times. Do uh, neither of you both shaking your heads at me? <laughs> uh, it's quite the ardent Rovers fan to go to Chelsea away on the Wednesday and then come back and go all the way to Norwich on the Sunday. But a brilliant performance in there as well at, at Carrow Road yesterday. Matt, I'll come to you next in terms of uh, which one of those fixtures stands out of the victories. Millwall away, tough place to go. Good time to play them, perhaps. Same for, for Norwich. Uh, either of those stick out for you? I think the Norwich game was... You know, we played some great football. All three of the goals, I thought I thought Norwich were poor, but I didn't think any of our goals were because they were poor. I think it was because we were playing such good football, as Ian mentioned. But I think the Millwall game sticks out to me because, obviously, we went 1-0 down. Uh, big mistake from Wallstead. You know, it, it looked like it was going to be one of those days, a difficult watch, if you will. And we sort of turned it around, which in, in my time watching Rovers, I'm not too used to us doing... So that's the one that sticks out for me, just because, you know, it was a bit of fight. And uh, as Ian said, again, there was there was um, a lot of fight in there, a lot of comeback. Uh, co- the comeback that we're not too used to, I think. Linz, any of those fixtures stand out for you? I will come to you in a second for the for the Chelsea game and your experiences at Stamford Bridge. But uh, of the three wins, maybe uh, talk a little bit about Cardiff. I mean, Cardiff was dire, wasn't it? I mean, what an <laughs> awful game of football. Um, but... For me, the nice thing with that was it was winning in a kind of different way. I didn't particularly enjoy it, um, but but we got the result. And I think that would often be my criticism is we're either superb and we rip teams apart or we're terrible and we lose. But actually, Cardiff was the anomaly of it was quite a painful watch at times, but um, they dug in. I also feel that I should highlight the fact that against Norwich, we weren't playing with our favoured centre-back partnership and barring you know, that sort of literally nil last minute consolation goal. They very nearly held, which won me a lot of money, I should hasten to add. They, you know, nearly held out for a clean sheet. And I think that's something to be really admired and celebrated. Pickering dropping in at centre-back. And and I really respect that as well, because I think actually keeping a clean sheet or close to a clean sheet matters hugely to that side. Ian, just come back to you and say, was it a red card? Should Rovers be appealing? Or is the appeal going to be in vain, do you feel, uh, with that one? I sort of can see both sides of the coin in some respects. But uh, what was your take on the on the incident? Now, in fairness, we could have edited this bit out to make ourselves look slightly less stupid. But hey, it's what we thought at the time of recording, and who knew that we'd get the appeal overturned? Anyhow, here's my wisdom. Ha! Wisdom. I think it's a red card in the modern game. I uh, don't think it would have been a few years ago. The best angle is probably one from the back, and you see that he, he does take some of the ball. But the question is, to get to the ball, he, go, he seems to go through the player. He certainly, he certainly takes the player out. And that I think, as I say, a few years ago, you sort of say, he won the ball, ref. Seems to excuse GBH then after that point, and the modern game doesn't allow that. You know, as long as you got the ball 20 years ago, if you then took a dagger out and stabbed the centre forward, I think you were allowed to get away with it. I noticed they are appealing, and I think that's more because we don't have any other fit centre-halves, as opposed to them thinking, we've got a genuine chance of turning this one over. Um, I don't think they will be successful in the appeal. Oops. I'd be very surprised if they turned that one over. Taxi! Because I thought he, you know, he was back to some of his best defending against Norwich as well and, you know, lapse of judgment. But yeah, it is, it's very disappointing for him really because I think he, he, yeah, like you said, he had a good chance to get himself back in the team where he was and playing some of his best football that we've seen before. 
of course, uh, this being the fans' podcast, I'd love to get your uh, both you, Linz and Matt, your take on the trip to Stamford Bridge. I'll start with you, Linz. I wasn't there, unfortunately. I know it's the hardy three thousand Rovers fans making the trip down to London uh, on the what was it November the first. Good day out, and you're one, and uh, obviously a fellow podcaster. Holly, you love your days out, uh, a little, little away trips. So where does that rank? Was it enjoyable even despite the defeat? Yeah, it was. Um, I've never been to Stamford Bridge, so new ground. Um, not what I expected at all. Um, but a packed away end is joyous, whether you're in a packed away end of 500 or 5,000. When we're sold out and we're on it, it's, it's the best place in the world to be. And all I could hear was Rovers fans for, for 90 minutes plus um i thought they gave a good account of themselves um i thought adam wharton knew he was in the shop window uh, and very much enjoyed that but um i think james hill stole the stole the show and it's just such a shame that he's not ours um permanently but they have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of um i thought they conducted themselves really well i thought he should have made his changes five minutes earlier but we were never going to get anything out of that game and i'd have liked him to come over at the end because he sent his players over to clapper but he strolled down the tunnel so JDT if you're listening walk a couple of yards and give us a wave mate Matt uh, how was your experience at Stamford Bridge yeah I, again it was a new ground for me and I think that's that was a big big saying why I went I won't lie uh, I don't know if we'll ever get a chance in the, in the near future to go to Stamford Bridge or the Stamford Bridge that it is now because I know obviously there's planned developments of it as well and uh, it's quite an iconic ground in English football. So you sort of, I wanted to get myself there before it changed. But yeah, I think I was, I was really proud. You know, we took took the game to Chelsea, which is a difficult task. We put them under pressure, and we had chances. You know, we didn't just, we didn't just roll over and accept defeat from the off, which a lot of teams in a lower division might have done in that fixture. I think the way that Chelsea play, unfortunately, taking the game to them played into their favour a little bit especially with the pace and the quality they've got with, you know, Sterling and Palmer specifically. But yeah, I think we had our chances, like I said, and I couldn't be prouder of the team, to be honest. Yeah, and as we touched with Holly as well last time on the podcast about how important these cup runs are and having 3,000 Rovers fans there on a Wednesday night was fantastic. And obviously thoughts now turn straight to the FA Cup. I know it was the FA Cup first round weekend just gone. Obviously, yeah, hopefully a favourable draw in December. Ian, uh, you got some thoughts on uh, on the cup run? No, I was just, just going to say the, the FA Cup first round on Saturday. I went to Doncaster on Saturday to, to, to like the... You know, Ease myself into the FA Cup for this season. Um, Stuart uh, from the from the website and myself, Matt, well, Matt's dad went to went to the game on Saturday to watch Accrington Stanley. And what I can say is, it I would strongly recommend any Rovers fan to go and watch a League Two game at the earliest possible opportunity, because then the next time you go to Ewood, you'll think actually these guys are quite good, aren't they? <laughs> They're a lot better. I have to say, Stanley played really well in the second half, but my word. In the first half, it was absolutely abysmal stuff, and it really took me back. But it's always nice going to Doncaster, of course, for those those distant memories. So yeah, it would be nice if Stanley could get through and we could we could draw them and replay our uh, our preseason friendlies, but this time with meaning. We'll look forward to the cup runs to come. Hopefully, that's the end of section one. We'll move on to section two, where we'll have a look at who's hot and who's not after this. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she had just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast. I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice. As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund. 
What did she do with that refund? Find out next week. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Welcome back to Section 2 of this week's 4,000 Holes podcast, The What Now Show, with me, Roger Whiteside, joined by Ian, Linz, and Matt. And I'm going to throw it straight over to you, Ian, because this is the time of the month where we have a look at the brfcs.com player ratings and look at who's hot, i.e. who's doing well, who's performing well, who, who do the fans feel is the players of the match for the recent fixtures, and who's not. So, Ian, over to you. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, just this is my usual reminder on the podcast that if you go to the match centre after a game uh, and sign into the forum, you can then cast your vote for the player of the match. And then what we do at the end of the month is we uh, we nominate the player of the month. Then at the end of the season, yes, yes, you guessed it, there's a player of the year competition as well. So you, the fans, get to decide who wins the BRFCS trophy. So in October, we had six fixtures, six league fixtures. Uh, I can tell you that the top three in reverse order were Sondra Tronstad uh, in third place. In second place was Callum Britton. And in first place, you probably won't be too surprised, it's the low knee that we're all falling in love with. It's James Hill, who recorded an average of 7.08. And trust me, on the BRFCS player of the match rating, an average of seven is really, really good. So congratulations to James. Uh, He's carrying on in November, much as he left off in October, because he won the player of the match award uh, at Norwich on Sunday as well. So I think you can expect to see him up there next month barring injury, which seems to be affecting all our centre-halves. That's who's hot. Uh, Who's not? Well, the darling of September in Arnie Sigurdsson, uh, he then seemed to peak too soon, and his form tailed off uh, very disappointingly. And he averaged 5.83 during October, which is uh, probably significantly lower than many of us would have predicted. Uh, Trav had struggled a little bit in October as well. He averaged 5.88. Uh, And another player who plays quite often, who is a surprise for not bringing in the top scores, is Adam Wharton, who in October averaged only 5.93. So I think it'd be interesting to see if he can bounce back from that and we can see uh, more of the Adam Wharton that we all enjoy. But I think our standout performers of Tronstad, Hill and uh, Britain certainly passes the eye test, the common sense test from games that we've seen. I think they've all made a big difference, particularly Tronstad in midfield. It seems that when he plays, we don't concede goals and therefore we have a much better chance of winning. So big congratulations to James Hill. He is this season's I'm going to fall in love with a lonely centre-half, following hot on the heels of Jan-Paul Van Heck. Welcome straight to you, Lindsay. You already mentioned James Hill and uh, his prowess, uh, as Ian alluded to there, and his good, consistent performances. Why... Is he so special? I mean, if fans haven't seen him, fans don't know about him, obviously he's a bit of an unknown name uh, on the bench at Bournemouth and from nowhere. Admittedly, most Rovers fans probably didn't know much about James Hill before he came in, but how and why has he impressed you so much in October? I just love him. I just think he's fantastic. And I'm also privy to the fact that the players love him. Um, They, before he was getting games, were saying he's special he's really special um which was exciting to hear and obviously he's come in he's taken his chance i think he's got like derek williams vibes in how he carries himself how he enjoys the game how he makes us smile 
how he's got like a moment of magic. Do you know when I fell in love with him, that shot at Coventry, the world's worst game of football, where from like minute one, you were like, I will take a nil-nil draw. And then up he pops with like a 30-yard screamer that the bar's still probably rattling. And I just thought, do you know what? This is what I want. Someone to just have a shot occasionally. Um, And I know that's not JDT's vibe, and he probably got like fined for having a shot that was from outside three yards. But for like the rest, of us who were paying 30 quid to freeze at Coventry it was just joyous so um yeah I think I'm told he conducts himself very well off the pitch he is great on the pitch and yeah never fall in love with them because he's going to be special isn't he and go off and do something amazing so we'll just enjoy him while we've got him yeah and it's interesting that people are already making that Van Heck or Van Hecke, if I know you pronounce it, uh, comparisons. And this time of the year, which uh, I think I had the uh, the shudder down the spine on Twitter when it uh, reminded me that Fulham beat Rovers 7-0, was it, at Ewood? Uh, only uh, a, year, a week ago, the anniversary was there. And of course, Van Heck was, was pretty average, really, up until that point, wasn't he? And almost came back from that and, and sort of grew and grew and grew, whereas as Hill has kind of hit the ground running from minute one and looks fantastic, looks a real prospect. Problem we've got, perhaps, maybe, is uh, does he go back in January? Does he stay in January if Bournemouth have a change of manager? Does, is he fancied at that level? Uh, I mean, who knows? Definitely the reports coming out of Stamford Bridge, which you said before about him being classic for Rovers on the day and the one who felt that he could thrive at that level. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he can keep up his form. I thought he's uh, obviously done ably well at right-back and at centre-back now as well, so uh, definitely will be a, a key asset going forward. Matt, talk to me about Sondra Tronstad, somebody who perhaps doesn't grab the headlines and a little bit under the radar sort of player, but the record speaks for itself. I mean, Ian's mentioned it before. Three wins out of four, Tronstad in the team. He does things that Travis can't do or doesn't do. Uh, how important has his role been in the team over the last month? Yeah, he's he's been immense and I think the fact that he's kept our captain out of the starting eleven, you know, that speaks for itself in a way. But I think back to the first time uh, I saw him play at Accrington away in pre-season, funnily enough. I remember turning to Ian and saying, you know, this is he's, he's a tidy little footballer, this, this laddie. He seems to do all the basics exceptionally well and you never really see him make a mistake. And I think, yeah, the I'm not surprised to see him in there, in the top three, to be honest. I think he's, he's really proven to be a really good signing already. And, you know, for free, it was sort of a no risk. And I think it's really, really paid off. Yeah, and another name that we haven't mentioned, which I'll come to you, Ian, for, who I think deserves mentioned in dispatches because we have uh, we were quite critical of him in previous episodes, and that is Tyree Stolen. I thought he had a wonderful performance yesterday at Carroll Road. Obviously got the goal at, at QPR. I mean, we know Tyrese. We love Tyrese. We've spoke about it on multiple occasions. When he's on form and when he has a bit of confidence, he really is an asset to this side and probably legitimately keeping uh, Sigerson out the side over the last couple of games. I think you've read my mind because I was just going to jump in there and sort of say we should we should call out because I think he's got better and better uh, over, over the last three or four games. Is it a coincidence that he unburdened himself in that interview and then Maybe. has got a more, shall we say, accommodating fan base, understanding and appreciating some of the pressures that he's under and as a result of it? Is, is that correlation or causation? I don't know. There's only him that will know that. But it certainly seems and it certainly feels like that was quite a cathartic experience for him, sort of saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it tough and I just need to be cut a bit of slack here. His performance against QPR was ex- excellent. I thought he was mobile, nimble, really dangerous, pacey, and he 
topped it off again against Norwich. I thought he played ever so well, took his goal ever so well. Uh, what was also fascinating was um, I had a Twitter exchange with a with a QPR fan who watched us, and he raved about Dolan, and he sort of said, "Yeah, the, the number ten that you got there, so he said, he's, he's really really good." And I said, "Well, we uh, he get he gets a lot of grief from Rovers fans, so you know he's, he's not really he's, he's not really flavour of the month." And he said, I, "I can't I can't quite believe that." So he said, yeah, "He's a he's a real star. So he was a real threat. It's someone someone that you should look after. You know, he's a real good player, and it's really nice to see him get back to form." Uh, that contract remains unsigned, though, doesn't it? I think that that's the interesting. I know we have another twelve-month mm-hmm. option on him, but it would be good to sort that out. Um, yeah, we don't want more players walking away for nothing. Let's be honest; we've had enough of those. Yeah, it's on the tables next to Junior Hoylett's contract, <laughs> and it's going to be signed at any moment now. I reckon Junior Hoylett's but... contract was signed; it was just never signed by Junior Hoylett. I think that was the maybe, main problem. Maybe that's another podcast entirely. Linz, I want to come back to you, and I want to talk about Adam Watson because he. He's bottom of this list. I mean, as fans, we expect the world from Adam, don't we? Another player who's a Blackburn lad, and we're all so excited by what he's going to achieve and what he's capable of and what his potential is going forward. He's had moments. Does, does he need to just kick on now, do you think, a little bit? It's a great question, and I, I really struggle with Adam, and he's probably the person who at games people talk to me about most, and there's a real split opinion on. People either think he's like a £50 million player and he's going to play for England, or people think he's rubbish. There doesn't really seem to be any in between. I tell you what is rubbish, the t-shirt in the Rovers shop with his face on, just as an aside. For me, I think he's too good. I, I think a lot of the mistakes this is radio so no one can see me doing the air quotes but I think a lot of the mistakes he makes are he sees things that other players in our team don't see so people are calling it errors but actually he's three steps ahead and that's not a criticism of the team around him but he does do some sloppy things but he's young he I think he needs to open himself up to guidance he needs to not believe his own height And I do think younger players and possibly a player we've just spoken about before has been guilty of believing their own hype. And you need to keep your head down. You need to listen. There's experienced professionals in there. But I do think a lot of his mistakes are that actually he's seeing a game that other people aren't seeing. And watching him on Wednesday, he thrived in that environment. It was clear who had played in Premier League grounds and against Premier League opposition before. And there was Wharton, just quite comfortable. And all I saw on Twitter on the way back was, who is Rovers 23? Let's sign Rovers 23, other players. Um, I'd like him to pull his socks up, literally, and possibly wear some bigger shin pads, because that distresses me as well. He looks like a broken leg waiting to happen. But no, I I think he's really, really good. I think it's also very telling they seem to want to change the midfield to suit him. Because I don't think him and Trav work and to drop your captain to accommodate Wharton and bring in Tronsad, which has actually been a revelation. I think he's been great and just what we needed. JDT clearly sees something in him as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about that, uh, seeing passes before other people. Obviously, I mentioned about the Harry Leonard chance against Swansea, which if he goes and sticks that in, everyone's talking as much about the ball from Adam as they are from the chance from Harry Lynn, and I think uh, Ranky Costello had a similar one yesterday where he kind of lofted one over the top and Ranky Costello couldn't quite get it under control. But um, uh, Matt, I'll let you just finish off this section. Any names that we've not mentioned? The Niall Ennis thing, we're still waiting for him to really sort of do something. Obviously, Talalovic is in the under-21s now. Is there anybody you can sort of think of? Markande, perhaps, who 
sort of flatters to deceive still. Yeah, I mean, not to not to um, state the obvious, but I don't think we've spoken about the championships joint top scorer Sammy Smodix yet. I think you know his his form is just unbelievable. I think he's taken me by surprise. I know you obviously last year. I thought he was very, very good. And this year, he seems to have taken it to another level, which I didn't even think he was capable of. So, you know, kudos to him there. He's he's really showing his worth. But I also think Andrew Moran as well. He's had a few rocky games, but especially yesterday, I think. Uh, and I thought he was quite good against Chelsea as well, actually, as well. So there you go. That's our thoughts. We'd like to know what your thoughts, of course, you can join in the debate over on brfcs.com and join the forums where you'll see the Match Centre, which is available for 24 hours after every Rovers game. We're going to be back in part three with a look ahead to this weekend's Lancashire Derby and a couple of quizzes for a bit of fun. Welcome back to section three of this week's 4,000 Halls podcast, the What Now show with me, Roger Whiteside, you and my guest Ian, Linz and Matt. So we're going to have a quick look ahead to this weekend's upcoming Lancashire Derby, Rovers versus Preston at Ewood Park, a Friday night kickoff under the lights on television. Possibly could go wrong, Linz. Sky, Friday night under the lights, midweek game or not the weekend game. It's going to be a Rovers banker, surely. I'm still not over last year's encounter at Ewood. Never mind this year's. Um, oh, I'd love to beat them. I'm usually not bothered. The you know they really care about us, and they're just a minor inconvenience to me. But we we owe them a good drubbing. So wouldn't it be lovely? But you know we've got injuries all over the park, haven't we? Specifically at the back um but hopefully they're not particularly bothered because they won the league in september so you know they're already on the beach so fingers crossed you'll talk to me about these uh, injuries lynn so are we confident with uh, a back four of maybe britain hill pickering and what, travis perhaps or absolutely or, not or... but you make the best of of what you've got i mean we know i am the founder member of the dominic Hyam fan club um i think he's a huge loss both in terms of where he plays and also his voice on the pitch. Um, I think Carter plays better when he plays with Hyam. Um, So I was already worried with Dom being out. And then obviously we've lost Hayden as well. Um, But, you know, I actually think this team plays best when there's no pressure and perhaps going on without a particularly fit centre-back pairing and our expectations being lowered. The three additional people that turn up because Waggett's priced it at £30 a ticket, it's not like there's going to be droves of people there. Maybe this is their time to to shine. Right, very interesting points. Uh, Ian, I'll come to you next on this one. You're a former goalkeeper back in the day, is that right? Uh, you sort of uh, it took is. position between the sticks. Talk to me about Leopold Walshted and uh, how yesterday... He got christened by Chris Sutton on commentary as a, a flapper, uh, something that uh, I think is quite appropriate based on what we've seen. That sort of nerves starting to jangle a little bit. It still seems to have the favour of the fans, but is that because he's called Leopold Walshstead and not <laughs> Lee Miller, perhaps, do you think? I know if James was on the podcast, he'd be calling him Prince Leo. I think he moved up to King Leo after, uh, after we that. We stopped that. I, I <laughs> nipped. I, I nipped that right have in I, the Have bunker. I perpetuated something I shouldn't have done? Right, okay. Here, here's my expertise based on playing in goal up until the age of about 13 when I stopped growing and then I couldn't um, I couldn't justify being in goal at five foot nine. Um, he seems a very, very good shot stopper. He seems to have excellent reflexes. Uh, he's definitely got raw material. What I don't like 
at all is this continental thing, I'm going to punch, punch, punch. Certainly in the modern game, punching the ball, particularly the way it moves in the air, and if it's wet, rather than catching it in the good old days, dare I say it, it seems to be a thing. But if you're going to punch it, punch it and get some distance on it. Please don't slap it like you did against Chelsea. I just thought that that was bizarre. I just, I just I couldn't try. I couldn't work out what he was trying to do. I can only presume he saw it very very late, and just was was trying to move the ball away. But that that was that was really unfortunate. Um, yesterday, he, again, he, he seemed to spoon a shot back into play. And again, this is this is youthful inexperience. I, I think those things can be coached. So I think he's very young for a keeper for starters. You know, typically keepers in, will mature in their late twenties and early thirties, and then go on to play probably at the peak of the game from those ages on. So there's a lot of raw material to work with there. What stuck in the craw was watching Luton versus Liverpool yesterday afternoon and seeing Kaminsky and thinking he is what he could have won. It was a bit like one of those. You think Pears comes back in as soon as he's fit? Wouldn't surprise me. Got to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me. I do think there's got to be a wider conversation around coaching, though, because Leo's mistakes are also Pears' mistakes. Mm. This not wanting to catch a ball, this desperation to release it straight away and often play ourselves into trouble. It's either we've got identical goalkeepers or this is what they are being told to do. And unfortunately, neither of them are good enough. Well, the, the, the modern game, I think, is very definitely around punching it rather than catching it. So I think if you think go back to Friedel uh, and certainly Tim Flowers, uh, it, you know you you expected the keepers come and claim across and take it. These days it, it's much less so. So it's, that's not just a, a thing about our keepers. I think that's a thing about keepers in general. Whether that I'm speculating whether that's something to do with the modern ball. It's very light. It moves around. Uh, it could be slippier if it's wet. And 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 and. But also keeping play fluid. It, it's it's more the basics about. For shots coming in, you try and take the pace off it and bring it into you, not push it back out. If you have to push it out, you push it out wide, not back into the centre of goal. He's young, he's inexperienced, but right right now, we, we, we need him to be performing at a higher level to stop the defence getting the heebie-jeebies. I think he's been very lucky that his mistakes have come away from Ewood Park, also in a game at Chelsea where yeah. we're expected to lose. I Millwall, where we came back and won. And also yesterday, he 3-0 up and we push, he punches one into the middle and it's 3-1. Well, fair enough. We're still going to win. Uh, interesting to see uh, how uh, he could do under pressure. Say if he does that in the last minute and it's a 1-0 win that goes into a 1-1 draw or a 0-0 that goes into a defeat. But uh, Matt, we'll just let you have the final word on Preston. You're Preston-based at the moment, uh, studying uh, journalism at the University of Central Lancashire. You must hear a lot about North End in and around the town. Uh, who are some one or two names that uh, Rubbers fans should be looking out for on on Friday? Who's the, the danger men? Well, I mean, they've got a few new additions uh, to the squad this year, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce any of them because I know I'll get them wrong. Um, but they've got a, a left winger, who I believe is on loan from Basel. I actually went to the Preston versus Coventry game on Saturday. And before that game, I, you know, I thought we had a good chance. After watching Preston outclass Coventry, I, I'm a bit more worried about it. I think, obviously, uh, Preston started the season well. They, there's no... You know, Ryan Lowe's a good coach. They've got a good squad, it looks like. They've got a good team. Uh, they had dropped off until the weekend, obviously. I think they were in a bit of a bad run of form. Um, 
but yeah, Preston are a good side. I think they've got um, a lot of good players who we do need to be wary of, especially in the forward areas. Uh, obviously, last year, as Lynn's mentioned before, we, we didn't deal with their attacking threat too well. And in my opinion, their attacking threats only got better this year. So that is something that we need to be uh, be wary of. In a, in a derby game, any, anything can happen, really, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, 3-2 winners over Coventry. Yeah. And... Uh... Well, like I said last last year at Ewood, the the shudders down the spine, Linz, as we mentioned before about the four-one uh, victory. So uh, we definitely owe them one, and particularly for the the Deepdale game, which we definitely will not go into. Uh, uh, talks for another podcast, but yeah, Preston currently in sixth position, three points ahead of Rovers in tenth. So uh, hopefully, a good game at Ewood on Friday. Four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's from a Beatles song. Give it a listen. Yeah, we're going to have a little quiz now. Welcome back to sort of section three A because uh, I'm going to have a quiz. And uh, Ian, you've inspired me to write one, and you've got a quiz as well. So you can be, I can be three A, and you could be three B in this sort of subsections of quizzing on the four thousand holes podcast, the What Now Show here with myself, Roger, Ian, Linz, and Matt. Now, my question is because I was inspired by talk of Erling Haaland perhaps getting to 50 Premier League goals at the weekend when uh, Manchester City dispatched Bournemouth and myself like many others I'm sure had Erling Haaland as their fantasy football captain I know some people who had him as the fantasy football triple captain and when he left the game at halftime with just one point and no goals it kind of made this question a little bit moot <laughs> but let's do it anyway uh, Erling Haaland has scored 47 Premier League goals in his career to date now, there are 10 names that are connected with Rovers who are higher up in the list than Erling Haaland. So, i.e. they have scored more than 47 Premier League goals, and at least one of those goals was for Rovers. I mean, there could be a lot of goals for Rovers, but at least one. So I'm going to ask my panel, they can form as a team, they can discuss with each other, to see if they can name the 10 names on this list. And these rank as number 101 to number 1, in the all-time Premier League goal-scoring records. So let's kick me off with an obvious one, for example. Matt, you must have an obvious one. Um, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer. So Alan Shearer, 260 Premier League goals, 112 of them were for Rovers. So that's one out of one thus far. Any other takers? Andy Cole. That's right, Andy Cole is number four on the list. 27 of his 187 Premier League goals were for Blackman Rovers. Chris Sutton. Yeah, Chris Sutton, he's 52 on the list. 47 of his 83 Premier League goals were for Blackman Rovers. He's number six on the Rovers list, if you're playing along at home. Linz, any any Premier League goal-scoring names? Jump out I mean, you? I don't really do quizzes, Roger, as a rule. Um, they were three of my four obvious ones. I had Dwight York as the other one. Correct. Dwight York is the 19th. Highest goal scorer in Premier League history, 12 of his 123 goals in the Premier League with the Blackman Rovers. So you've got four from four guesses thus far. Kevin Gallagher? Yep, Kevin Gallagher. He is number 94 on the list. 46 of his 56 Premier League goals with the Blackman Rovers. So yeah, all 
of Gallagher, Sutton, York, Cole, and Shearer all scored more Premier League goals than Erling Haaland this far. So, got, so you're halfway through. Five, yeah, we've got five so far. You're halfway through. He's trying to think of players who might have only scored once or twice for Rovers, but got shed. There are two. There are two sneaky players who are on this list who only scored one goal each for Blackburn Rovers, and they have eighty-eight and sixty-four Premier League goals respectively. I'm just trying to remember when we were good. Um, <laughs> or when we signed someone who was good, more to the point. Bellamy? Oh, that's a good shout. Greg Bellamy is on the list. Yeah, he's the 56th highest goal scorer in Premier League history. Oh. 13 of his 81 Premier League goals have come for Rovers. So he's six from six guesses thus far. Um, I'm going to go for a bit of a one that I think might be wrong, but is Yakubu on the list by any chance? Yakubu is on the list. He's the 36th highest Premier League goal scorer with 95 goals. Of course, one glorious season. Very much the highlight of that rubbish season, wasn't it? But uh, feed the Yakubu, he will score 17 of his 95 Premier League goals were in blue and white halves. If we're going for Yakubu, then let's go for Benjani. No, Benjani's not on the list, unfortunately. He's not even on my list of. I thought he played for enough clubs to have scored 50 goals. No, he must. uh, The list I'm looking at and what I've written. Goes into the 30, so yeah, Benjani must have less than sort of 35 Premier League career goals. But uh, yeah, no, he's not on the list. Sorry, folks. On this list, Let you down. 10, 8, and 5 in Rovers' rankings. So you're missing three names from this list. You will kick yourself with one, and I could give you a clue, but it would definitely give it away. Another one, perhaps somebody you wouldn't associate with being a great goal scorer or a scorer of great goals or a prolific goal scorer, but had a distinguished career in the Premier League for all his career, which must have lasted. One of them is somebody who had a lot of success nearby, but was pretty terrible for Blackburn Rovers. That's a big clue. He's number five on the list. We're talking Premier we'll start, League goal scorer. They we're score, talking Premier League They had to score scorers. a Premier League goal for Rovers, not yeah, a League Cup goal. No, it has so to not be a Robbie Premier Fowler. League goal. No, so Robbie Fowler, 163 Premier League goals, but yeah, zero Premier League for goals for Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. Damien Duff? Damien Duff, number 10 on the list. Great guess, Linz. 101 in the all-time Premier League uh, record. I'm amazed 20- he got over 50. 21 of his 54 Premier League goals were uh, in the Blackman Rovers colours. <clears throat> so uh, you're, missing two, you're missing two names on this list. And <laughs> not ironically, they are the two people who had prolific careers and only scored one goal apiece for Blackman Rovers. <laughs> one of them scored... More for Blackburn Rovers, but not in the Premier League. And the other one is the biggest clue that I can give you without giving it away is he didn't have any success at Ewood Park, but he had a lot of success nearby. Kevin Davis. Kevin Davis is fifth on the list in terms of Rovers. 44th highest Premier League goal scorer of all time. One of his 88 Premier League I've still got my I saw Kevin Davis score t-shirts. Charlton at home. 1-0. I was there. I thought it was so starting missing, big things. So we're missing, missing one, one player who one scored name. one goal for Rovers. He's the eighth highest name on this list with the Latin Rovers connection, number 75 overall. So the 75th highest Premier League goal scorer. Probably not associated as much with the Premier League era, I would say. It's another clue. And definitely scored more than one for Rovers, but only one in the Premier League. I haven't done any research on this, but somewhere in the back of my mind, I think he scored against Leicester away in Rovers' cause in the Premier League. 
Did he go on to do anything else with Rovers? Yes. Is it Mark Hughes? It is Mark Hughes, Sparky. One of his 64 Premier League goals with a Blackburn Rovers. And some of the traps that you could have fallen into. James Beattie, another one, 91 Premier League goals, but zero for Rovers. Fowler was mine. So Mark Hughes only scored one goal in the Premier League for Rovers. One Premier League goal for Rovers. Yeah, Josh King, would you believe? 53 Premier League goals, of course, none for Rovers because he never played for Rovers in the Premier League. Uh, Danny Murphy, Josh 50 King's Premier League got goals. 53 Premier League goals. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I say, yeah, Danny he Murphy, 50 Premier League goals, none for Rovers. Marcus Bent, 40 Premier League goals, but none for Rovers. And uh, the one who's probably got the best record overall, David Dunn, 37 Premier League goals, 31 of the 37 coming for Rovers, wow. six for Birmingham. So there you go. Fantastic. That's, uh, just, just really That's a great question. I love that. Well highlights. Highlights the impact and the success that Erling Haaland has had, that in a season and a bit, he has nearly 50 goals. Now, he's 136 all-time, although that could be beaten tonight because he's got one goal more than James Madison. So if James Madison scores for Spurs as we record this podcast, then uh, he can climb above him. But uh, yeah, I would expect Erling Haaland to overtake Duff and Gallagher, maybe even Hughes this season. (laughs) And then uh, obviously he's into the Bellamy, Sutton, Davis, Yakubu. York, Cole, and Alan Shearer. Yeah, 112 of his 260 Premier League goals for Blackburn Rovers. Very good. Well, my wow, question... What a good question. On the 14th of June, 2022, John Dal Thomason was appointed, or Yundale Thomason was appointed as Rovers manager. His first game was at home to QPR on the 30th of July, barely six weeks later. We had 11 starting players and seven substitutes, but how many can you remember from that First John Dale Thomason game. So I'm going to go round the round the window. So Matt, um, I'll start off nice and easy. The goal scorer of a wonderful goal that day, uh, Lewis Travis. It was he curled it beautifully and then did much the same thing the following week against Swansea, and then didn't score again for the rest of the season. <laughs> Good old Trav. Roger, who was in that initial lineup? I'm including substitutes as well. Um, Thomas Kaminsky. Thomas Kaminsky was. Linz? I can't even remember what it finished. What did it finish? 1-0. I was probably there. Um, I'd be amazed was if ben, you Was Ben playing? He was playing. Oh. Matt? Um, uh, I don't know if he started, but I'll go for Daniel Ayala. He did start. Oh. Number four. Rog? Um, four out of four so far. Yes. Uh, it's amazing because you should think, was that it's only last year? season, was isn't it? It's just that. Like... Oh, yeah, it feels, feels so long ago. You need to ask me something uh, in the 1970s and I could name the team. Yes. Um, who would be in midfield with Prav? Gosh, it's. Um, that's, that's a niggly little question, is that? Um, Harry Pickering? Harry Pickering was playing. He wasn't playing in midfield yeah. with Trav, but he was. No, playing. but uh, I think he signed by then. Only Harry Pickering. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Linz. Galley. Yep. He started up front. Matt. I'm going. I'll go for Ryan Hedges. He was playing. He did start. Rog. It's gone back to me far too quickly. <laughs> Scott. Scott Wharton. Spot on. Well done. Excellent. Linz, back to you. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight so far. Eight for eight. Are we, are we including subs? We I, are. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Was Pears on the bench? He was indeed. Matt? Try to think when we signed. 
I'll go for Callum Britton, but I yep. don't know. Yeah, yeah. He started because he he joined in the summer, didn't he? So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the eleven, and one of the seven subs so far. Oh, I'm still trying to think who was in midfield with Trav. Um, How quickly we forget. Oh, um, oh see, I, I'm going to fall into a trap here, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think he'd signed by that point. Oh, no. Um, Jake Garrett on the bench. No, I'm afraid you're no. one wrong. That's one down. Lynn's back to you. Buckley? Buckley was in midfield. Oh, so you've got 10 of the 11 starters. He's... He's just out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely, Buckley, yes. he's, he's, he's in November on the Rovers calendar. That's the only reason I got him. I turned the page just over and, oh, felt, yeah, yeah, and felt really sad when I saw his little face. It is, it is. I've, I've just completely forgotten about John Buckley. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But... So we need six substitutes and the last starter. And the last starter was a forward. Oh, um, Tyrese Dolan. Tyrese Dolan came on as a substitute in the 64th minute. So we're still waiting the starting forward. Roger, back to you. Um, we've already said Galley, haven't we? we so, have. um, yet again, how oh, quickly we forget? Oh, uh, Jack Vale. Yes. Oh, so well, well then, you've got the eleven. So now we are five subs, and we've talked about a couple of them tonight. So, Lynn's back to you. I've no idea. I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> you should get one of them. You see, ranking Costello's probably a trap because he wasn't involved, was he? Would he be no, on the it was, bench? It was Norwich last season, wasn't he, when he came back no. to the floor? Yeah. There's, there's a guy on the subs bench that you really, 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 really should get. Dom hadn't signed by then, had he? No. No. I mean, you've not narrowed it down for me, and to be honest. A, ro- a rover's else. leg end, as they say. As some would have Ducky. Ducky, yes, he was on the bench. Was he on the bench? He was indeed. So, four... Uh, two of those four we've mentioned earlier on the podcast tonight. Just talking briefly about Bradley Dax, trying to make this interesting for the podcast <laughs> listeners out That's there. The we, definitely, format, which is- we definitely need to do a section on the justification of Rovers' transfer dealings in the summer, where Brereton's struggling yeah. at Villarreal uh, and not even I, I, playing. I won't have any It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the curse podcast. of Rovers. It's the curse Bradley of Dax, Rovers. Bradley Dax injured and isn't playing. And Daniel Ayal is rocked up as a short-term loanee at Rotherham. At Rotherham mm. So, a bit of path on the back You're, you're just distracting here. Four substitutes, <laughs> still to be yeah, named. Two of whom this we've mentioned the, on the pod tonight. This is like me at school, Ian. Yes. It's just stalling while I'm trying to think. You know, talk, oh, oh, Look, Lin, Linz has offered me cash money if I can get the phrase benevolent dictator into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm being a benevolent dictator. Matt, I'm is it you? I've lost a, track. Or? Yeah, um... Trying to think who might have gone. I'm not sure if he was in JDT's favour at the time. Go on, I, I believe he had number seven last season. So I'm going for uh, Teo Eden. Spot on. He was on the oh, bench. He was the one I didn't that. think anybody would get. So th- there's there's three left. Two of whom, two of those three, we've mentioned on the pod already tonight. If you get the fourth one, I'll give you the money myself, as Les Dennis would say. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think who had a good pre-season that year. Sam Barnes. Sam Barnes. Oh, you've got Sam the one. Barnes. You've got the one I didn't think you'd get. You, damn you, Roger. No, because damn that you. was the same, wasn't it? That he was ready to come on yeah. and he didn't come on. And then he did his crucial ligament the yeah. week after. So, yeah, Sam yeah. Barnes. So, two left and we've mentioned them both tonight. I'll, I'll throw the floor open. Um, I'll go for Dylan McCandey. He's one of them. 
And the other one, Watch therefore, out. he has been mentioned on the pod quite a lot. Uh, oh, um, Adam Wharton. Yeah, Adam Wharton. Oh, I didn't think he was in that. So there you go. It is amazing just to go back. When I looked at it earlier to set the question, and you sort of think, crikey, there's still been quite a lot of turnover in that team, even from just like July last year. So there we go. Or John Buckley. Yes. I assume we forget him and Jack Vale. I remember thinking that when Rovers played Sunderland last year, if anybody wants to go out and look at the lineups from Rovers played Sunderland last season, and bear in mind that Mowbray had only gone months earlier, it didn't feel like a Mowbray team because I think we had Morton, Hyam, a few of the new players at, at that point. So uh, I suppose that shows the uh, the championship turnover of uh, mediocrity, should we say. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it does, yes. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's 4,000 Holes What Now Show podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. Hopefully you can answer those quiz questions uh, all right and uh, maybe even uh, ask your friends and family uh, if they can do any better than us. I'm sure that they can. Uh, from On behalf of myself, Roger, along with Ian, Linz and Matt, thanks for joining us on this week's show. Of course, you can find us on all the usual social platforms. We're on Twitter and, of course, on the brfcs.com forums where you can get involved with the Player of the Match Centre that we talked about in Section 2. Enjoy the rest of your November. Hopefully Rovers can pick up another three points at home against Reston on Friday. And uh, that's all for me to say. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Stay safe. Until then, goodbye. is never trust a man on a night out in a jumper. That explains why I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 33. Hi, Lewis Travis here. Just wanted to say I'm listening to 4,000 Holes podcast. Am I coming to an age where I'm going to have to join the forum? Is this where my people are now? Sports Social Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.